the Lord began to lay David on our heart and kind of directed us to the scripture. I did not remember the word chose being in there. Isn't it neat how the Lord works that out? I was says he chose David. This is speaking of God. Also his servant and took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes, great with young. He brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Father, thank you for your word. Bless it tonight. Lord, I pray you would accomplish all that you sent it to. Pray your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We've been looking at this series the last several, several weeks on a choice servant and I'll tell you, the burden the Lord gave us that really brought this message about was simply this, that how often too many of us are waiting to be used of God. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with spiritual patience, waiting, as the Bible tells in Hebrews chapter 12, running our race with patience. But let me give you a good definition of the word patience. The word patience in Scripture means busily abiding in the will of God. You're running your race with patience. I mean, I'm sticking with it until the Lord says do different. And so there's nothing wrong with patience, but there's a lot of Christians tonight that are waiting to get busy serving God. They're not doing all that they could do and not being used of God. And sometimes we wonder why doesn't God choose us to be used of him? And so we're looking at this series on a choice servant, basically the choices that we make that influence us to becoming God's choice. There are ways and things that we can do in our own spiritual lives that will lead us to become a greater candidate to be used of God. And we started with Stephen. Well, we spent several weeks on Stephen. I didn't intend that's where the Lord led that. And we looked at how Stephen chose, the Bible says three different times, that Stephen chose to be filled. Okay, so the life of Stephen, he chose for the things of God to fully occupy him. And the Bible says he was filled with the Spirit, he was filled with wisdom, and he was filled with power. Now understand, being filled with the Spirit, being filled with wisdom, being filled with power, those are choices we make. God doesn't play duck, duck, goose and just pick who he wants to fill with his spirit and wisdom and power. It's for those who desire to have it and who empty themselves of self to be filled with the things of God. And last week we looked at Silas, somebody we don't speak of often, but we looked at Silas and how Silas chose service. And oh, this the indispensable part of being a servant is service. Now, that sounds redundant, doesn't it? But I honestly believe in ministry today. Oftentimes, we desire to be used in the service of God, but we aren't expecting to be a servant. Understand, there's perks that come along with ministry. There's excitement, and God picks you, and God uses you. But in the end, all of us who serve God, we are servants, and we serve in the service of God. Last week, we looked how Silas chose service by submitting to God's direction, being sensitive to God's discernment, and being satisfied with God's diligence. Tonight, we're looking at David, and you'll notice in verse 70, watch how we see this theme continue. The Bible says he chose David, and notice what he calls David. He chose David also his servant. Now, folks, there it is again. God is showing us that he chose somebody who was servant-hearted. Now, we know God used David. (laughs) If there's anybody we know that God used, it was Paul in the New Testament, and we know that he used David in the Old Testament because so many accounts in Scripture that we learn about are about him. But the question is why? Why? Why did God use David? Did God just say, you know what, there's a good-looking kid down there? The Bible says he was a ruddy youth. 
So what was it about David that God chose him? Well, I believe we see it in those three verses that are here. We could talk about a bunch of these things, but I think there's three very important that are here. Silas shows, showed us what it means to be a servant. He showed us. In order to be a servant, it means we're submitted to God's direction. If we're going to be a servant, God's going to tell us where to go. God's going to tell us what to do, but also being a servant, Silas showed us, meant that we are sensitive to discernment. That means God can lead us in the decisions that we make and that he is satisfied with diligence. But I believe tonight in this passage of Scripture, David shows us how to serve. Silas showed us what it means to be a servant, but David shows us how. And I told my wife this afternoon, I had a busy day today, I had a lot of things going on, and uh, I said, I didn't think I was going to be able to get ready. My heart wasn't ready. I didn't think I was going to be able to get finished. And it's amazing how the Lord can send things over the teletype extra fast when you need it. Aren't you glad? And, boy, this was a blessing to me. So tonight, let's look at the choices of David. The first one is in verse number 7. The Bible says he chose David, also his servant. Now, what's the last part? It's, it's not insignificant. If God put it in there, it needs to be in there. The Bible says, see where God took him from and took him from the sheepfolds, that thought continues in verse 71, from following the ewes great with young. So we see what David's doing here, that God pulled David out as being basically a shepherd. That's exactly what he was. Now, I want you to understand, you learn a little bit about a shepherd. What's amazing is you'll learn that the job of a shepherd is very laborious. It is labor-intensive. I've never owned a sheep. I don't even know if I've ever touched a sheep. Miley, have I ever touched a sheep? I don't think we've ever been to a petting zoo or anything like that. Goats are pretty common around here, but sheep are not something you see a whole lot of. I don't think I've ever even touched a sheep in my life. But the more you read about sheep, you'll find there's a lot involved in being a shepherd. You look at Psalms 23. Turn there with me, if you will. Just hold your spot. Turn to a verse you know well or chapter you know well, Psalms 23. It starts off with the Lord is my shepherd, okay? So we see there that David's acknowledging God as his shepherd, but watch what the shepherd is responsible to do. By the way, as a pastor, I go to Psalms 23 all the time. I do. Why? Because there's an outline of what God expects from a shepherd. Verse 2, the Bible says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. Notice the leadership and providence that that shepherd has to provide for his sheep. Verse 3, He restoreth my soul. When things are not as they should be, He restores them. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for His namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for Thou art with me. Thy rod and Thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Look at all of the action verbs. Look at all the action from the shepherd that's here that's required. Being, listen, being a shepherd it is a labor-intensive job. But as we see in Psalms 23, you don't have to look very hard to realize that it's a labor, but it's a labor of love. That shepherd looking after those sheep, it's not just a job or a career. It is truly a labor of love. You know, there's some jobs that you can do. You can go through the motions, you can do what you have to do, and you can go home, but you don't have to love it, i.e., you ladies mopping the floor, cleaning the stove, or washing the dishes, or washing the clothes, or folding the laundry, stuff like that. If you enjoy that, hallelujah, I think that's a spiritual gift. I don't have it, but uh, I don't enjoy doing those things. But you can do it without loving it, right? Us men, we can do things like that, you know. Uh, I'm trying to think, take out the garbage, 
Don't love that, do we? We can do it, but we don't love it when we do it. Taking out the scraps, things like that. But there's some jobs that require a measure of love. There are some jobs that require a level of care. And the Bible is showing us that God chose David. He's watching David. Of course, God knew all this about David already. God's looking down at David, and he's watching him, and David's following those sheep around. Verse number 71, from following the ewes, great with young. He's a nursemaid, if you will, for the sheep that are there. I believe God looked down and he saw David, and the first thing he saw David choose, he saw David choosing to care. He saw David choosing to care. Now, this is important. Understand this. Our service to God cannot be motivated by obligation. David, listen, if you're going to be a shepherd, it can't be something you're just doing this list of things you have to do. In order to be a shepherd, there's a level and there's a measure of care. And God chose him because God saw the care that David had for the things that were placed under his leadership. I want you to understand tonight, folks, I don't think you have to look any further than John 3, 16 to see the the great motivation of our Father in, in sending his Son to die for us was for God so loved Can I tell you this tonight, folks? Listen, I believe something we have gotten out of in ministry is one of the simplest things, but one of the most mandatory things in service is caring. Now, folks, you're not going to minister and do the service of God without caring. What motivated God to send his son to die for us? For God so loved. God cared. God did what he did because he cared. That was the great motivator. John 10, 18, the Bible says that Jesus says, no man taketh, speaking of his life, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. He laid it down. Why? Because he cared. Because he cared. That was the motivator. And you go on and read John 15, 13. We know the verse well. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that he what? He lay his life down. You see, folks, I believe we've lost this thing of caring anymore. We put a lot of stock in capability. There's nothing wrong with capability. There's nothing wrong with learning how to serve. There's nothing wrong with a knowledge of how to serve. But I'm going to tell you this. If your motivator is not caring, you're not going to serve very long. And I believe the reason that God chose David, he watched how he treated those sheep. He says he's following around the ewes, great with child. He saw him care. Now, one of my favorite books, I brought it up here tonight. I want to encourage you. If you ever want to learn a little bit about a shepherd, it's A Shepherd Looks at the 23, uh, Psalm 23. Philip Keller, great book. I'll let you borrow it if you promise to bring it back. Baptists are notorious. I'm not bringing your books back, but I'll be glad to let you borrow it. And this, this book is it's a modern-day shepherd explaining the 23rd Psalm. And you read all of the things that the shepherd does for them, and you realize the sheep are needy, okay? The only way that you're going to do for those sheep, what they have to do for those sheep, is you're going to have to care about it. Now, folks, I don't know if you notice this, but the world is needy. The world that God's called us to reach, the people that God has called us to service, they are needy people. I'll tell you why we're not meeting their needs. It simply boils down to what I fear is we don't care. You want God to use you? You're going to have to care. That's what motivated our Father. For God so loved the world. Folks, based on our love, notice the action verb that followed the love. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, I wonder what the action verb we could interject in there for our own John 3, 16. 
For I so love the world that I what? What kind of an action verb could we put there? For for I so love the world that that I witnessed to that person today. For I so love my neighbor. I walked across the street and shared the gospel with him. What could we do and what do we do that shows we care? I believe God chose David because he saw David choosing to care. Interesting point. I was writing my notes out today. And I found that it's easy, listen close, to make the word career out of the word care. You just add an ER. Take the word care and you add the, word, the letters ER and it becomes a career. Now, I want you to know, there's a lot of us who have careers, not us, not me. I think, well, I love what I do. But you know, a career is just something you go to work, you get it done, and you go home. And I fear oftentimes in our Christian service, it becomes a career rather than something we care about. It's something we want to, we want to go out. I'm going to pass out a track today because I said I'd evangelize, edify, and encourage. So I'm going to go pass out a track to somebody, and we go through the motions. If you're going to be a shepherd, you're not just going through the motion. You've got to care. And God chose David because David cared about the things that were placed underneath his influence. Matthew chapter 14, I want to read something for you right quick. I've got a whole list of these, but I'll not read them to you. Matthew chapter number 14, the Bible shows us a pattern in the life of Christ, and Christ is our pattern. Matthew chapter 14, I believe it's in verse number 14, yes. The Bible says, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Do you know what compassion is? It's care. He saw people, the Bible says, a multitude And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion and healed their sick. So notice the action followed the compassion. And the reason that we don't have much action and much service in the ministry, what God's called us to, is I simply believe we don't care. You see throughout Scripture so many times where Jesus had compassion, do your English and you'll find there's an action verb after it because he simply cared. I believe we have probably... The greatest opportunity of any generation to reach the world. Think about the technology we have. Think about all of the books that have been written and think about all the experience that we have. The church, listen, the church is probably the most capable church that has ever graced the planet. The early church did not have technology. They did not have a lot of printing presses to print tracts and all these Bibles. Here we have all of these resources. We have all of this knowledge. We have all of this communication. And yet all of the capabilities not getting the job done. Why? Because you must add care and compassion to capability to have the the will of God done. Think about it this way. Classes can teach you soul winning. We're going to have one in January, by the way. I hope everybody signs up. Classes can teach you soul winning. But only caring will take you soul winning. Let that sink in. Classes can teach you everything to say and how to say it and even how to smell, how to shake hands and how to smile, what to do and what not to do. Don't kick the dog, you know. Don't do stuff like that. You know, if you're an Alabama fan, they're an LSU fan, don't go talking about that stuff while you're in the house. You can't in the car. We can teach you all of that. And classes can teach you soul winning, but only care and compassion will motivate you to go soul winning. Look, you're not going to go if you don't care, all right? You've got to have something burning on the inside. When Christ looked out at the multitudes, even when they were physically hungry or they were physically sick, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. 
You look at that word compassion, it means gut-wrenching feeling. He looked out and saw the people hungry, and it moved him. You see, that was his motivator. I fear, I fear. The reason we've lost one and maybe in two entire generations in fundamental Baptist churches is we put more stock in making them capable, and we forgot to teach them how to care. If we don't care for this world, we're not going to get out there, and we're not going to stay out there very long. We see what motivated Christ was the simple fact that he loved us. The problem is this. You cannot make people care. You cannot make people care. You see, caring has to be chosen. You have to choose to care about what you're doing. You have to choose to have compassion for someone. That's why God chose David, because he watched David. He chose David, also his servant, and took him from the sheepfolds. I believe the root of our ineffectiveness is simply this. We don't care. Why is the church not effective? We have all the capability. We've had all the classes. We have all the books. We have all of the, the avenues of communication. Why are we ineffective? We don't care. We don't care. Because we do what we care about, do we not? We do what we care about. We're going to make it happen. Can I tell myself just for a second? Saturday, I'm going to my first LSU ball game. It's a good one, undefeated. Undefeated. LSU, Florida, down there in Death Valley, it's a 7 o'clock game on Saturday night. You know, I work on Sunday. That's the other day of the week that I work, on Sundays. Game will be over about 11. Won't get out of the parking lot till about 12. We'll be celebrating. And uh, I got to look at it. I said, I'm not going to be home before 3 a.m. That'd probably be a short sermon on Sunday morning. Amen. Some of you have already jumped that. You're already one step ahead of me. I saw some of you smiling. Yes. You're going to hope that I fall asleep right there in the chair and just fall over. An opportunity to go watch them play on two undefeated teams. Game day is going to be there. You may even see me on TV, you know. You say, well, aren't you going to be tired Sunday? Yeah, I'm going to be tired, but I want to make it happen. I'm going to drive back, get back at 3 a.m., and I'm going to put on a happy face come Sunday morning. Why? Because that's something I want to do. Something I want to do. So why, why can't we go out when the weather's beautiful like this and share Christ with somebody? Could we just be honest enough with ourselves and say we don't care enough? We don't care. God's not going to choose us to serve if we don't care quickly, real quickly. Exodus 35, listen close. I want to read something to you as they prepared for the tabernacle and to build the tabernacle. Moses is taking up an offering of the people. I don't want you to listen. The people are going to have an opportunity to serve God with the gifts that they have. God told Moses in Exodus 35, 5, listen close. Here's some words jump out to you. Take ye from among you an offering, an offering unto the Lord. Whosoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it an offering of the Lord, gold and silver and brass. Interesting. Notice those two words, willing heart. Look over to verse number 21. The Bible says this. And they came every one whose heart stirred him up. And everyone whose spirit made willing. And they brought the Lord's offering to the work of the tabernacle. Verse 22. And they came both men and women. And as many as were willing hearted. Why does it equate willingness with heart? Do you know what they're saying? The people that brought what they had to the service of God are people that cared. 
How do, we, how do we picture the word care? It's usually a heart, right? It's a heart. The Bible says they brought their gifts to the service of God because they were willing-hearted. It means they cared about it. Everyone who was willing, it was a reflection of their heart. And I believe the fact, the evidence that we're not willing is evidence of our heart. We just don't care. The service of a shepherd is simply this. It's required that he care. And God looked down at David and says, God's saying, I need somebody to watch my, my nation. I need somebody who's going to care for my nation. So he goes out and he finds somebody who's already showing that care through the sheep that they have. Can I tell you tonight, there's a reason the Word of God says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, listen close, speaking the truth in love. There's that heart again. You know, it's easy to speak the truth. Oh, oh, I have used the truth before like a razor-edged sword and whacked people's heads off with it. That's fun. I've used the truth before as a club. You remember, you guys don't remember this, but man, there used to be a cartoon called Captain Caveman. Y'all remember that? Somebody say it. Amen. All right. And he had this club. This big, gnarly, naughty club, and he used to go around with that club, beat up. Oh, we can use the truth that way, too. That's just swinging the truth and beat people down. But notice, God knows the heart of man. He says, I don't just want you to take the truth, but I want you to speak the truth in love. You know what that is? He says, take the truth, but use it with care. That's what he's saying. Use it with care. Anybody can go out and tell somebody what they're doing wrong. But if you want to reach that person, you're going to do it carefully. By the way, people can tell. People can tell when you care about them. I read a story today about a little girl, and she was late getting home from school. And her mom says, why are you late? And the little girl said, a chicken. Amen? I mean, any day, any day, we'll take money over chicken. And so he looked at it, and he realized by the notes that were written in there, this was the payroll that the manager had put in the bag and was getting ready to take to the bank. When they gave his chicken, they swapped it accidentally and gave him the payroll. Jumps in his truck really quick. He runs back to the chicken place. He walks in the door, and there's just panic all over the place. And he says, look, I got this bag, and it's full of money. And the banker realized that, man, what a, what a man of integrity that was to bring back the $800 of, of payroll or for receipts for that day. And he says, look, sir, I have not seen such integrity in, in my, all of my years. I'm going to call the newspaper down and call the TV station down, and we're going to get your name plastered everywhere. And he says, please don't. He says, because my girlfriend is somebody else's wife. <laughs> you know, it wasn't what he appeared to be. Man, he gave an appearance of integrity. He brought back $800, but don't tell nobody that. That girlfriend is somebody else's wife. He was given the appearance of integrity, but he was not. He didn't have integrity in his life. And folks, sometimes we give the appearance of integrity, but we're not what we appear to be. And maybe that's why God's not choosing us. God looked down and he saw David feeding them in the integrity of his heart. He said, this guy's sticking with it. This guy's following those sheep around a, a menial task, and yet he's sticking with it. If he'll stick with that, then he'll stick with this. So God chose him to be king. Last thing, look down at verse number 72. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. The Bible says he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. This stumped me just a little bit. I knew the message was here, but I didn't know what the third point was. Kept praying about it. And the Lord began to show us that I want you to see what David used to do the job that he had. The Bible says he guided them 
by the skillfulness of his hand. So watch, David had skills. He learned skills in the, in the shepherding of these sheep, and David used the skills that he had to do the job that was before him. So this is what we call stewardship tonight. David was a good steward of what he had. So number three, I believe the reason God chose David is because we see David in verse 72 choosing stewardship. Now, let me help you understand what the word stewardship means. It means careful management of something entrusted to you. Careful management of something entrusted to you. The Bible says that David had these sheep that he were entrusted to, and he used the skills that he had. The Bible says he guided them by the skillfulness of, watch this, his hands. He used what he had to do the job that was before him. I believe what God noticed was that David was willing to do what he was called to do with what he had. Let that sink in just for a moment. David was willing to do what he had to do with what he had there was a lion and a bear came after the sheep one day, and the Bible says David just caught him by the beard and took out his knife. David just used what he had to take care of what the job that was before him. He goes down to fight Goliath, and got, uh, <coughs> King Saul says, why don't you take my armor? And David says, I have not proved them. He said, I've got this sling, and I'm going to pick up some rocks, and I'm just going to use the skills that I have to do the job that's before him. Now understand, listen, integrity is faithfulness of heart. Stewardship is faithfulness of what you have. Integrity is faithfulness of heart. Stewardship is when you're faithful with what you have. David didn't sit there and watch his daddy's sheep get eaten and said, if only I had an AR-15. Now, granted, David probably could have done some mean stuff with an AR-15 because look what he did with a rock and a slingshot. No, David just used what he had. God says, that guy's going to get the job done, and good circumstances are bad, and he'll do what he's got to do to get the job done. That's called stewardship. When you take what you have and use it to accomplish the task that's before you. Now, folks, understand this tonight. If we want to be used of God, God looks down and he says, what are you doing at the job you already have with the things you already have? I believe Matthew 25 speaks of this when the Bible says in the parable of the talents, well done, thou good and faithful servant. There's that faithfulness there. Thou hast been faithful over few things. You just had this little bit, but you were faithful with what you have. The Bible says that God says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And oh, how God blessed the faithfulness of what they had. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 2 verse we know very well. We use it in our leadership meetings and our Sunday school teachers meetings. The Bible says, moreover, it is required in stewards. You know what a steward is? It's a servant. Somebody that is in service. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found talented. No. Give you another try. Intelligent. No, no, no. Faithful. Faithful. That means a steward is somebody who's going to take care of what has been placed in their possession and underneath their care. I know people that have worked for people for years and years and years, worked in their lawn service maybe, or worked even in their homes or worked their property. And what's neat about those people is they know the people's property better than the owner does. And man, they work for them for decades, and sometimes even family members come in and take that job. Why? Because they've been good stewards of what they were placed over. 
Now, here's the problem. Oftentimes, we say, God, I will serve you if you give me these great things to serve you with. God says, no, you won't, because you won't serve me with the small things that I gave you. Stewardship. God says, I'm not going to use you. I watched how you used the $5 I gave you. You got a, a frappe at Starbucks and a toothpick for the $5 that I gave you. Don't ask me for 500 to serve and to buy Bibles and to, to support missionaries when you, look, there's nothing wrong with getting you a coffee, okay? I do prefer an American company other than Starbucks, but, you know, be faithful with what we have. Use what we got. Hey, can I ask you, what is in your hands? The Bible says he guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. What has God already given you to serve him with? My wife's favorite story, she was in a session with Dr. Don Sisk. Dr. Don Sis, you know him well. He's, in my opinion, the William Carey of our day. And he's going to be here in March, by the way, to preach our missions conference. Talked to him the other day. And she was in a missions uh, meeting with Dr. Sisk, and she was sitting beside him. And they were talking about different missionaries that come through. And he says, one of the first questions I usually ask missionaries is, when is the last soul that you led to Christ? He said, so often these missionaries will come through and they will say, well, uh, right now we're on debutation and uh, we don't have rule out of time for soul winning right now. When we get to China, we're going to win people to Jesus in groves and droves. He says, no, you're not. If you're not doing it here, you're not going to do it there. If you're not being a steward of the opportunities you have here and using what God placed within your hands here, you're not going to use it there. Now, folks, oftentimes we deal too often in hypothetical ministry. Boy, if God would just do this. If God, if God, if God, if God, if God. Reminds me of the Andy Griffith show. Old Barney, bless his heart. Old Barney was always telling Andy how he would raise his imaginary son. Remember those episodes? Some of you need to go back and watch that. It's good stuff. It's better than what you're watching now, probably. And old Barney would, Barney would tell Andy, let me tell you, you know, if you just raise your son. And he says, whoa, 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 Barney. You're telling me how you would raise your imaginary child. Say, there goes that imaginary child again. A lot of us have imaginary ministries. Boy, if God would do this, if God would do that, if God... No, 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 you wouldn't because God has already with smaller things we've not been faithful with. Can I ask you, what are you doing with the skillfulness of your hands? What are you doing with the skillfulness of your hand? What are you doing with what God's already given you? God has given you some type of a skill, some type of a talent. You may have one talent, two talent, five talents, but God's already given you something to serve him with. God's already given you a small flock. Before God gave David a kingdom, he had a small flock of sheep. Let's just take care of that small flock before we pray for the nation. Be faithful with what's within our reach, and the Bible shows us that God honored that. The Bible says he took David from the sheepfolds. That's our problem. We've got our eye on the castle, and we're ignoring the sheepfold. Oh, God, if you'd ever let me be a king, I'd be a good king. Oh, God, if you'd ever let me lead a nation, I would lead a nation. Meanwhile, our sheep are scattering all over the map. Wolves are eating them. We're like, oh. And God says, that's why I can't choose you, because you're not choosing to be a steward of what I've already given you. So tonight, the Bible says in verse 70, and we're done, he chose David. He chose David. Why did God choose David? Because we see David choosing to care. Do not expect God to use you if you don't care. By the way, I'm talking about caring the way Christ did for people that can't always care for you back. Okay, that's the type of love Christ had. We see David also choosing integrity. He just stuck with the job he had. And then we see David choosing stewardship. He's going to be faithful with the 
things that God has placed within his reach. Folks, God may never use us to lead a nation or to kill a giant. God may never use us to do a lot of the things that David could and did. But I want you to understand, God wants to use us for something. But you've got to care. You've got to have faithfulness of heart, which is integrity. And you've got to be a good steward of what you already have. So tonight, why don't we allow God to show us whether we care or not, whether our integrity is what we think it is or not, Allow God to show us tonight whether we're already good stewards of what we have or maybe we could serve him better with the skillfulness of our hands. Our heads are bowed tonight. Our eyes are closed. Let's stop there and have a moment of invitation. The choices of David, it wasn't a random thing. God chose David because David made some good choices in his life. Can I ask you tonight, do you care? Do you care? For God so loved... God so loved that he gave, okay? For you so loved that you what? What are we doing that shows we care? Well, if we don't care, then God's probably not going to use us. Tonight, do you have integrity? Do you have faithfulness of heart? Or is it just a faithfulness that others can see on the outside, that God looks on the inside and says, I know thy works. I know who you are. And that's why I don't choose you to do anything, because I know who you are. Maybe tonight, we're not choosing stewardship, just to use what we have with what we've got. Father, thank you tonight for David. Thank you, Father, for taking a young man and uh, we're taking him from the sheepfolds, Lord, to the castle. And Lord, I pray we would not aspire to the castle, but just be faithful to the sheepfold. Lord, let you take us wherever you want to take us. Lord, let you use